0: Welcome to A View in Focus, the show where we talk with entrepreneurs from technology startups and high growth companies. We'll get to hear their stories about entrepreneurship, leadership, strategy, management, and fundraising. I'm your host, Dino De Palma, managing partner at True North Advisory, where we work alongside entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and PE firms as their strategic advisors. In today's episode, we have our guest, Mike Triano, partner at G20 Ventures, and also a very good friend. Welcome Mike, nice to be chatting with you today.
1: You too, buddy, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, you know, it's funny because I was thinking one of the first times I did this, I was sitting on the other side uh, <laughs> being interviewed by you and uh, you were kicking off the uh, the G20 podcast. So uh, it's nice to have the opportunity to, to get to know you uh, a little better as well in some way.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Uh lot of key takeaways funny people still talk about that that was uh some of the best advice i've heard on how to you know take your business international and build channel partnerships it was uh was an awesome discussion
0: it was definitely a lot of fun well you know w- one of the things um you're definitely known for is being an incredible storyteller i've seen you present i've seen you condense uh really complex messaging um uh, into something that people can actually understand which is certainly not easy to do in our tech industry but but you know, before we get into that, like I'd love to know a little bit more about you. Like we like to get a sense of of successful uh, entrepreneurs and and VCs. Like where did they start? Like give us a little bit of you, you know. And 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 I took this from you in full transparency. I like the way you did it. So like, tell us a little bit about how you grew up.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm an Italian kid from Rhode Island. Uh, first in my family to go to college, and um, but a great family and was incredibly well supported. Um, I ended up getting into Cornell and uh, went there um, and uh, almost failed out. <laughs> <laughs> had a bit of an intervention and I was confronted with the question of what I wanted to do. Uh, and that turned out to be a huge blessing because I, I figured out, you know, I was never going to be the greatest engineer in the world and I was never going to be the greatest artist. But somewhere in the intersection of those things, I had a, a capability, a kind of footprint that was unique. And um, I figured out, you know, maybe marketing is the way to apply this. Um, And that's what I did. I left there. I was a bouncer and then a bartender in New York, kind of bumping around looking for a gig. And I ended up um, taking um, a job at an agency uh, called uh, Lois GGK. I was actually hired by uh, another uh, guy who played football at Cornell. Um, And that was my kind of big break. And um, I worked for uh, an advertising legend, a guy named George Lois uh john tracosis was the head of that who had been like a really prominent ad man and really both you know they kind of took me under their wing and taught me the business and and um went from there to mccann worked on coke gm at t big brands you know like that and then san francisco first in at taco bell um by that point the learning curve had started to flatten out and i realized i really wanted to build businesses not just commercials and uh I went back to business school, came back East, went to HBS, um, was a consultant for a cup of coffee, hated it, and uh, ended up working for Martin Sorrell at WPP Group. Um, Martin had me as a kind of global troubleshooter. He would send me in to fix problems. Um, One of those problems was inside Ogilvy & Mather and, uh, you know, the short version of that story is it became Ogilvy & Mather Interactive, which was really the first big agency to embrace uh interactive uh media sort of digital media uh in a major way he built that business one day woke up realized i owned none of it and left to start my first company which was called brandscape uh, and brandscape was uh kind of uh you know a website builder in the dot-com boom uh we were acquired by a company called primex eventually took that company public and was the president of a public company for a while um, Got out of there before things went horribly wrong um, and uh, had learned a lot about exit multiple in the course of that. And so I wanted to build something with a little bit more IP and technology, uh, Had to raise money to do that, and that brought me into the world of VCs. Um, did that four or five times, uh, some hits and some misses. Um, some of the hits were M-Cube uh, in 2016. We sold that to VeriSign and um, Actifio, uh, which was bought by Google a few years back. Um, and um you know in the course of that i was sort of writing all the time and had had been sort of tapped on the shoulder by a vc firm to come over to the dark side and i reached out to my friend you know bob hower uh both you and i were were uh, charter members in that first fund and um i said hey bob you think i'd be any good at this i think i'd enjoy it and he said yes yes and come be my partner so been on the dark side for five years and um you know this job is a privilege and. I try to do it by helping entrepreneurs tell their stories.
0: And and uh, you know, it's one of the things that, that uh um, I want to sort of double down. How do you distill it? Because I didn't you take very complex uh text, whether it was 128 or others, and a lot of people would try to explain to me what uh they were doing, and then you would come in and explain it and be like, ah, okay, got it. I could then take this message and you know, kind of recraft it pretty easily. Uh, but that's a challenge in our industry. You know, we, we talk bits and bytes a number of the days at ACME. I mean, we had more acronyms than, you know, uh, we could think of. And I try to tell people what we did and, you know, PCSCF and this and that, how, how do you, what's your thinking? Like, how do you create these stories that people actually understand what we do? Well,
1: I think you need to, uh, create those stories, you know, f- from the customer back. As opposed to from the technology forward, um, you know, you know, I like to say, uh, no one cares what it is until they know why it matters to them, um, and they certainly don't care how it works. And and I think the problem most entrepreneurs have is, is they're so enamored of how it works, they want to talk about that, um, and the customer could care less. You know, they don't even really care what it is, again, until they know why it matters to them. And so, you have to. You know start with an understanding of what is the problem the customer is up against that we can help solve um and connect with them on that problem which puts them opens them up and puts them in a place of of you know willingness to kind of listen a little bit longer <clears throat> excuse me and uh and then you want to just sort of explain in very clear terms you know that problem is the villain in in a story and that customer is the hero in a story and how do i how do I tell the story of whatever I'm doing in a way that sets the customer up as the hero and the problem as the villain and and shows you know what's going to happen, this positive outcome that's going to uh you know happen, you know, through engagement with our solution. And and it's really just 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 about that. It's I will admit that it's harder to do than it is to talk about, but but part of the, you know, my huge advantage is my my uh the shallowness of my understanding, of, <laughs> Dino. Yeah, uh, I'm not a, uh, you know, hardcore techie, but, um, and I, and and look, it's so hard to step back from something that you're spending, you know, 20 hours a day working on to tell it from the perspective of someone who's never heard it before. And, and, you know, I, I have that ability to empathize with people, I guess, and to synthesize complex ideas into cogent narratives. and. And I, you know, I've really made a living like through all the different, you know, um, four phases of my career, which seems like kind of a random walk. Like I've been a storyteller and, and uh, you know, 35 years into it, I guess I've gotten pretty good at it.
0: Yeah, I know you're definitely great at it. In some ways I find that my international experience pushed me that way because English wasn't always the language being spoken. And I had to simplify the message. Coming in and just using large buzzwords uh, wasn't uh, going to work. But one of the things I wanted to double down on as well and, and understand is you made the transition. You know, one of your your latest gigs, you were uh, uh, at one of the executives at, at Actifio. and then you talked about making the move uh, to G twenty and and what was your. What was your thinking behind that? Like as you wanted to evolve, you talked about four pillars or you know four main areas of your your uh, your career. As people think of you know maybe getting to the next step in their career. how did
1: you think through that? Uh, Mike? You know, I read a book um once um, that was really about how to identify uh, your zone of genius. Um, and, and the, the point of the book was and we can share it in the show notes but um, it was that look everybody has a zone of incompetence um, and that's just a, a set of things that you're never going to be great at no matter how hard you try um, and everybody has a zone of competence which is actually most things for most people and it's things you're pretty good at and you work out on the margins and and uh, can do a decent job at and then everybody has a zone of excellence which is a small zone like the zone of incompetence um, uh, that is things that you're very good at you have a, some kind of predisposed talent and you've done the work to figure it out and and then everybody has a zone of genius which is really a thing one thing that you are uniquely good at like you have some combination of talent and craft that really makes you uniquely capable in that area and and um you know i think for me you know i i kind of figured out like my zone of genius like i'm pretty good at a lot of things i was a pretty good startup ceo i was i was a pretty good ad man i was good at those jobs you know but i was never you know i was never like world class like i was never going to be like an andy Ori or a, you know um you know some of the folks in our kind of close orbit um but but again like lot unlike that insight i had in, at college like this ability to tell stories was really kind of um you know what made me special it was what really was my kind of unique my superpower as it's called sometimes you know people say find your superpower and and i kind of realized that was mine and so um i guess for me you know i kind of figured out well is there a way for me to apply this as an investor like people think you know that vc is really is a game of like kind of stock picking um that you have some unique insight some magical way to penetrate the powerpoint you know bull crap and and <laughs> see the truth but it's not that at all it's really it's about deal flow and it's about people and relationships and and how do you see the best deals and and you know recognize talent and and i f- i figured out that like storytelling could be a way to do that and and um you know what i've always loved about the agency business is the variety of it i'm like an intensely curious person and i love to learn new things and i Uh, that that dabbler aspect of agency life always intrigued me there's a lot of like weirdos and creative people in agencies and I always loved that lifestyle the problem was I got sick of being a dabbler like after a certain amount of time in the agency business you feel like you're just making slides uh, because you're recommending as opposed to doing Um, and so that drove me to the you know to the client side as agency people call it and and as an operator, like, you know, Actifio is a great example. Like, I love that company. I love that team. Um, and I was able to synthesize this story of data virtualization. Honestly, if I had to tell that story one more time by my fifth year in that job, <laughs> I'd shoot myself. Yep. Uh, and so, so, you know, VC, I guess was a place that I could leverage my superpower And it had a lot of the qualities I loved about agency life, but with a dramatically better value capture model. So I could create value in the same ways, but capture it uh, in a much more efficient way. And 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 um, and that just made a ton of sense to me. And I guess it was really that recognition that this was something at the intersection of what I was really good at, and um, and and a way to make a living and and bring something unique to the table for for something I was passionate about, which like you is, is helping startups.
0: Yeah, and, and you've, um, you know, at the, at the G20, the, the work that you've all done, it's interesting. We've had, you know, uh, certainly different types of technologies that we've invested in from sort of HR like platforms to pure techs like uh, 128 and then Emissary that I'm a part of where very different, right? Where it's, it's sales enablement. Um, What do you all look at, like, what are sort of, how do you figure that out? Like, what's the magic sauce? How do you, Bill and Bob, and now the new partners work together to say, yeah, Emissary will be one, One, 128, we know, we we knew all the players, but how does that work for some of our newer uh, CEOs, even that we have at True North? I know that's one of the questions they they ask me all the time, is like, what what are these guys actually looking for? Like, maybe give us a little bit of, a few nuggets there, uh, Mike.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, the first question is always why this, um, meaning, you know, market selection, you know, why is this an opportunity that we think is, is a great one. And again, a great one, like there's lots of different businesses. You could build a a nice business in like lots of different market opportunities. You could create a nice business around, but, but a venture scale opportunity is something that has the ability to return a fund. And so, you know, I'm buying whatever, you know, 15% 15% of your company and it's it's if it doesn't have a reasonably, you know, you know a decent shot at a, an outcome that's going to return our whole fund, you know, 70-80 million bucks, then it doesn't make sense for us. That's just that's the venture model. Um, you you get, you know, 10 shots on goal to kind of get something to the level where it where it returns the fund and you're trying to get two or three of the, of those to work that way or at least one to work that way and everything else to do pretty well. Um, so why this market selection? I think most entrepreneurs fail at market selection. They are, you know, you know, the, the most heartbreaking thing in our business, Dino, is, you know, you meet a, you meet a great team working really hard on a, on an elegant solution to a problem the world doesn't have, or at least doesn't have in sufficient mm-hmm. quantity to warrant a venture scale outcome. Um, and, and a lot of what I see is that, um, why this is also involved in like, where do I want to spend my time? Like, you know, you know this, you know, you're as involved as anybody. Um, you know, you when you when you sign up for for something like, you know, when you raise money or when you invest in a company, like you're signing up to spend the next, you know, four, five, six years helping that company succeed, you know. We 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 really work hard to bend the risk curve down and to contribute something. And so it's gotta be something that I'm passionate about, that I wanna spend time working on this for the next five years. And that's entirely subjective. It's just do I love this or not? And and one of the things I say to entrepreneurs a lot is, is like, if you, if you meet someone who's a potential investor and they're not excited about what you're doing, you know, don't try to turn them. Your, your time is better spent looking for someone else who who has some initial interest in whatever the space that you're involved in, because this job is very subjective, as you rightly point out. Um, after we feel like this is a big enough opportunity to justify a venture deal, the question becomes, well, why why them? Uh, meaning, like, wh- if this is a big opportunity, other smart people are going to chase it. Why do we believe this team will prevail? Um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I got coming into the, you know, coming over to the dark side here was from um, Jit Saxena, a sort of legendary entrepreneur and investor here in Boston. And Jit said, uh, pick the race and bet the jockey. Um, and I always love that advice. What he was saying is, Pick the race, meaning find a market you like. Um, Recognize that the products, meaning the horses, are gonna change dramatically over the arc of a venture investment. Um, And pick the best jockey, meaning the best team, uh, as the one that's gonna come out on top. And that advice has really served me well. So find a market you're excited about, find the best team you can. Um, And and there's a bunch of other questions, but uh, the, the third one that I'll highlight just in the interest of time is why now? Um, you know, famously in venture, you know, early is the same as wrong. Um, and, and you know, particularly now that we're doing more Web3 stuff, we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, you know, why is now the time to invest in this company? Are they going to chug along burning money uh, for the next year or two before, like, broad-based consumer adoption of wallet technology happens? Like, is there a dependency there that we need to worry about? And if there is, it's better to wait. Um, and get involved when we think that business is at an inflection point so i'd say we spend a lot of time looking for you know geometric curves in the market response uh, to a business not just in the business itself but in the way the world is responding to that business that indicate to us okay this is a business that, you know, if we remove the constraints of capital availability, it's really gonna begin to grow in a way that's exciting and that can give us the best possible return. So there's four or five other questions, but for me, those are the big three.
0: And then, you know, when you, and that makes sense. And when you see the, the you know, cause I, I've been listening to a lot of pitches as well. Sometimes I sit in with you guys that we introduce companies like you see that when, when you go, oh my goodness, if I could just help them, a little more prepared or like what do you like if you had any some advice to say when you come in make sure you done a b and c um what are your thoughts around that uh mike
1: boy um uh 10 slides not 30. um and um you know explain it to me like i'm 12. um you know i have I've been in so many pitches where four slides in, I still have no idea what this company does. And um, I'm, you know, among my many flaws is not, you know, paralyzing stupidity. And so <laughs> I am not the problem in that, in, that, uh, in that particular equation. It's because people don't know how to tell a story. Um, and so I would say just boil it down. Like, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Why is it a problem? That is that is big enough to drive a venture outcome. Help me understand who you are. You know, introduce yourself. You know, um, you know, you know this from your time. You know, carrying a bag, like you know, the, the first thing you got to sell is yourself. Yep. Um, and so when you come in and you, you know, you got to establish that credibility, and hopefully that's done before. But but you know, particularly if you're presenting to partners other than the one you initially made contact with, you know, these guys are doing four thousand different things. They got dragged into this meeting. They they have they don't have sufficient context we really make an effort to prepare in advance of these things and to respect entrepreneurs time but you know even for us like sometimes you're just your your mind is elsewhere and you got to be drawn into the room so um help me understand you and why i should really pay attention to this give me a sense like right off the bat why this is a massive market opportunity and a huge problem in the world and then explain how you're going to solve that problem and make the customer a hero in a way that's just clear and simple and, and leave everything else, all the details, all the plumbing, all the schematics, all that stuff, like leave that for the end. I'll ask questions, right? Believe me, like it's not like you're gonna do your 10 slides and we're either gonna write a check or say goodbye, you know, yeah. um, but having that foundation of a basic understanding of of why this matters, what it is, how it works and who's involved in it, like that's the jumping off point for a dialogue and and that's really where you start to get excited about something.
0: No, well that makes sense. And the other thing on on the G20 side, you have a very unique approach. Um you have entrepreneurs uh, that uh get involved that that participate more in the process than mainly, you know, other VCs that just keep their their partners um at a, at a distance. Um I know I've had that experience with uh with you all how does that work like how does that how do you continue maintaining that expertise you've talked about jitten about andy we've got pat we could go on i think we have a great group of 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 individuals how do you leverage them what's your thinking behind uh behind that uh mike as as you look at the members that we have
1: yeah well i mean the first thing i would say is we're we're heavy on relationships and light on process um I think all of you guys, um, and again, I I started off on the member side as a member, um, you know, you're busy and you're running around. And I think a lot of the value for me, and I, I know for others is just, you know, to have a filter, like, you know, we all want to help entrepreneurs. And sometimes it's hard to be objective in figuring out which entrepreneurs to help. And so like, you have to have the will. And I, I think every one of those people you mentioned, and, you know, Uh, there are now, you know, 30 and we're going to probably 35 or 36 in the new fund. Um, every one of those people is passionate about helping entrepreneurs and they're looking for a way to channel that, that desire in ways that are productive. Um, and, and we provide that to them and give them a platform. And, uh, that formula, you know, I loved it when I was, when I was on the member side and, and, uh, I think it's, it's what, it's what people enjoy. So we're just an enabler of that instinct um and and what we do is we try not to like force anybody on anyone so um you know we're we're always asking how can i help where are you struggling is there something going on and then if someone says you know i'm really having trouble figuring out our our you know this aspect of go to market or we're thinking about maybe opening up something in england or whatever i'm like let me let me call dino and like just have a conversation with him right and and again you you've been on you've been in that chair like you know what it's like and so you come in and you have empathy and you uh you know you're a good guy i mean that's the other thing is is like there are no assholes you know in the member group um and i and i think that that's really important because you know that kind of behavior or or someone who doesn't have the right level of empathy or or the right personality to do this job it just prevents them from creating value you know um because you can't be effective. You know, you, you, it's one thing to be able to tell the truth, but it's another thing to be able to tell the truth in a way that the person opposite you can hear it. And that, and that requires some people and communication skills that I think are the one common denominator among a very diverse group of people is that.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I I, I love the team and, and in fact, whenever we have our events, I. Look forward to, to going and that's a sign of it because I want to see these individuals obviously they're 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 very capable, but they're just really good guys to see um, you know as we're, we're closing up on on time, one of the areas I did want to cover is you just started uh, a new fund um, where you know I know. Um, I'm participating in as well and I'm I'm really excited about it, excited to learning a little more, is on sort of the the meta web 3.0. Can you give us some nuggets there, like what you're thinking, where the industry is going? Um I, I know the listeners would be uh, you know, very interested in that that area of uh that that that's you know, it's gonna be the brave new world.
1: Yeah. Well, first, thank you for your support. We appreciate it. We'll work hard to uh have a good outcome <laughs> for all of us. Um Yeah, I mean, what we're excited about in Web3 is um, uh, really the way it offers the potential to change business models, right? So, you know, if you look over the last, you know, 20, 30 years of venture, the vast majority of the value hasn't really been created by technical innovation so much as by network effects. Um, You know, you know, why is Google the best search engine? Well, they started off with a technical advantage, but now they're the best search engine because they have the most data and they have the most data because the most people use it, you know. Um, you know why is Facebook the you know dominant player at least for now um, in the social media space? So it's because they were, you know, they were able to achieve critical mass. They had the best UI, they had the best coders. But in, eventually, you know, everybody in your you know your Aunt Lala is on Facebook, and so <laughs> uh, the network effect would indicate that uh, there's the most value there to kind of connect with people, and you know, blah blah blah. That's true of uh, a great many businesses, Amazon, all all the big outcomes in the venture space. Essentially, powered by network effects. Um, the the problem is, is that those network effects, uh, all the value created by those network effects, is captured centrally. You know, very often by you know some some you know white male in a hoodie in Palo Alto, um, <laughs> and um, and that has created some sort of negative externalities, as they say. You know, some downside consequences. We have a massive distribution of wealth problem in this country. We have all kinds of bad behavior happening um, among those sort of hegemons. Um, and uh, and and so, you know, Web3, the aspect of it that we really think is exciting is is the basic principle of Web3 is that that, that power, the, the, the value created by network effects in which many people should participate, should be distributed among those participants. And it provides very simple systems to enable that participation. Um, And so we think it's a really powerful engine of economic value creation and and to be clear what we're excited about is the web3 tech stack we're not you know crypto speculators betting on this coin or that coin it's really about you know that potential for web3 Um, the blockchain smart contracts tokens those systems all built on an open and distributed internet to uh, create and distribute value in a way that ushers in the next generation of really exciting companies and, and we really want to make sure that we're a part of that.
0: I'm excited to see, um, you know, the different companies that um, we end up investing in. Uh, it seems to give a lot of sort of if you want to call it power back to the to the user that you're just not uh, uh, a passive user of the Internet, but that you're you're you're, you're very involved. So um, are we uh, just out of curiosity? Is there anything that you're excited about right now or still too, too early to tell?
1: Um, there's a lot of things I'm excited about. I mean, I, I think part of the secret sauce of G20 is, you know, we're looking at a few hundred deals a year and doing a few. Um, you know, our fund is a very concentrated risk model. And so, you know, we're spending all year working on stuff. You know, I like to joke that, uh, I spend my time looking for people to say no to, um, <laughs> and then on a bad day, it does feel like that. But, but, uh, you know, look on a good day through that process, you're bringing something of to valued to entrepreneurs and being helpful along the way. And, maybe helping them un- uncover some challenges but you know right now i'm excited about the volume of exciting things we're looking at um and we are not yet to the point where we're getting down to the short straws on on one of them that's going to pop to the top you know the nature of a fund like ours is you're never in a rush to quote unquote deploy capital you really have the luxury of being super selective, and and in a macro environment like the one we're in right now, we're that much more selective. So, so I would say nothing has risen to the top like imminently, but but I, I I'm very excited about the the breadth of companies and the level of innovation, and the quality of entrepreneurs we're seeing out there that are trying to find new ways to, to create something exciting on these new platforms.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, I have to say thank you, Mike, for. For joining us today, I could certainly uh, go on for uh, another few hours uh, pretty easily, and, I, and I'm sure uh, uh, our audience would love to hear more from from your perspective. But you know, I, I have to thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, certainly, some key learnings around the importance of market selection, uh, the importance of telling your story from a customer's perspective, um, and I really love uh, the quote that you have: "Is identify your." Your zone of genius. I think I'm going to use that as a as a tagline. That were, you know, was certainly some some uh, some great learnings that we had uh, from you to today, and uh, from a True North perspective, we're we're very thankful. So stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be posting our episodes every other week, and uh, please follow us on on LinkedIn. Thank you, Mike.
1: Thanks, buddy.